KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM as we talk sports with you over the next couple of hours and appreciate you uh, giving some of your morning over to Trent and myself on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. Uh, we're going to catch up with Brian Orilco uh, from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. He's the director of gaming with the IRGC. We'll you know, get the latest... Um, I'm Brian on, on sports wagering from a regulatory perspective. Are they able to carve out the Super Bowl? Will they be able to do that in advance of our Super Bowl in September? So we'll spend a few minutes dotting I's and crossing T's. I did go through some of the numbers, Trent, and was surprised to find there are a couple of properties in the state. They're losing money betting sports. Oh, the really? gamblers are taking it to them. What part of the state are we talking about here? Uh, one in the north and a, one in the East. Well, not a surprise with the North. I mean, that is God's country up there. There's a lot of smart people from Well, up there. and I, I, I share this radio program with one of them because, oh. dude, you are on a roll. 10 1 and 1 last night against That's the unbelievable. number. Unbelievable. 10 1 and 1. I've handed out a winner every day this week. We will yeah. try to do the same here at about 11.55 late this morning. Well, I know you'll find something on what is just an atrocious schedule here tonight. <laughs> I'm. I'm for the first time in a while, I'm peeking at, at the NBA schedule. I'm taking right, yeah. a look at that because kind of like Monday was. I mean, we had the Big 12 yeah, at the very least, right. but here, it, you're right. It's a light schedule. Wichita plays, I think, Cincinnati. That's something that I'm keeping my eye on. But overall, you're right. With all four teams playing last night, really threw a wrench into things. It and then did. you look at the overall schedule in college basketball. It's, it's not good. It's, it's a hockey night in the Miller house. Yes, I'm indeed it is. The Blues will pound, uh, pound the crap out of the Jets, but oh. I'll be watching at 7 o'clock. Anyways, uh, so Brian Arilco we're join, is going to join us. We're going to talk Minnesota Twins, but from the trade perspective, I don't know if it's falling apart necessarily, but there certainly seems to be a uh, fly in the ointment, and that fly in the ointment is the youngster, uh, Gratterall, who's Am I saying his name properly? Yes. Gratterall? Bruce Dar Gatterall. Uh, the young fireballer who throws triple digits, but he's had Tommy John surgery and he's only 21 years old. And apparently, once the teams, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Twins exchanged medicals, the Red Sox uh, found something in the, in the medicals that, um, uh, Cause them to, you know, have second thoughts, perhaps. We'll see. I, I still think Betts is going to end up there, but will mm-hmm. Maeda, uh, Betts going to end up in Los Angeles, while Maeda, who was penciled in as the three starter, uh, in, with the Twins, will, will he make it? That's a question there. Do the Twins have to throw something extra mm-hmm. into? The Red Sox or Dodgers have to throw something. Well, it'd be probably the Dodgers would have to throw something in. It would be the Dodgers, yeah. Now, if but if they're looking at one of those big prospects, and many people thought the Dodgers got out so good because they didn't give up any of their top top level talent. And stayed under the leagues, cap. Well, does that mean you know what we're going to need one of those? Mm-hmm. Maybe not your top two prospects, but we're going to need somebody in that four, five, six range to sweeten this pot up. Uh, so, so we'll see. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk to our buddy from. Uh, 
Twins Daily coming up here at uh, at ten forty five, and look forward to uh, doing that. Nick Nelson is the gentleman's name. Tom Caker is going to join us at eleven fifteen. A lot of ground to cover with Tom. Obviously, we'll take a look at back to, to last night. Uh, there was a press conference opportunity yesterday with uh, with Kirk Ferentz on signing day, so we'll do some of that stuff with Tom. Tom will join us at eleven fifteen, and then about eleven thirty five. Matt Postens, HeartlandsCollegeSports dot com. That's the Big Twelve website. If you're a Big Twelve fan and you haven't been there yet. Um, do yourself a favor and make it part of your routine. HeartlandCollegeSports.com. They cover the Big 12 as well as anybody from a conference perspective. Matt Postens at 1135. Well, Trent, some good, some bad. The good was in the Missouri Valley Conference. The bad was both Iowa and Iowa State. You know my biggest takeaway from last night overall, watching uh, the, the four games? Adam Emenecker is really good. <laughs> and why is this guy not getting more opportunities to do national? We'll have him on next week. I'm going to reach out All to right. him. Emenecker, he's really good as a as an analyst on these games. And uh, he had the halftime interview as he went over there, and he was talking to DeVries. Not sure if you're I didn't see the end of the first point. half. No, I saw the end of the first half, but yeah. then I got up when they when they went to the buzzer, which never is an easy assignment. I right. mean, especially I mean, you're used to sideline reporters by having to do that, but for a color guy to have mm-hmm. to get up off the bench, yeah, make some your of way those over, can be really awkward. Right? Yes. Now it's Eminecker talking to DeVries, right. Drake coach, right. makes it a little bit easier certainly with that. But did a real good job on that. And you're completely right. Did a good job overall there. Boy, nice good. production. Yeah. It was a good production. Yeah. Absolutely good production. Thank you for the tip. Uh, that uh, It was both on uh, Fox Sports Midwest and NBC Sports Chicago 665. So uh, both of the those uh, stations had the game last night. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll get into the Valley a little bit. Um, I guess we should start with the, the two needle movers, the two real needle movers. Look, I, I'm not as concerned as I think maybe Hawkeye Nation is. Look, if you lose by two, if you lose by, what the hell did they lose by last night? 32, 34, what was it? 32? Uh, 36. 36? Um, 104-68. Yeah, Purdue cracked the hundo. Yes. I haven't scored that many points since I was a sophomore in high school. I thought that was gonna, a long time ago. I thought they were going to crack 120 there for a while. My God. Well, they pulled the start. Boy, they love that uh, that 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 walk. I'm oh, assuming yeah. loose I mean, is a walk on. You got right? Rudy in there firing up shots and hitting fadeaway threes. Every time he touched the basketball, I think it was more than the student section. I think the building oh, I went crazy watching this kid. Uh, look, it was a bad night. I, my biggest... You know, when when you look back at the at the box score and see what they were able to do, well, a couple of things. I mean, they made nineteen threes. Mm-hmm. No one's going to win a basketball game if you're playing against a team uh, that that's making nineteen threes in the game. But holding Luca Garza to one rebound, I mean, this guy's averaging ten a game. He picked off one board last night. Still got his points. But man, oh man, Trent, that one like it again. It's one loss. This one doesn't. You're looking at sixteen and seven, whether they lost by two or lost by seven by thirty six. I learned something last night that I guess I'd never had wrapped my head around because you're right, in the totality of your schedule is just one loss. Right. Now beat Nebraska on Saturday. Right. And and we will certainly get to that and the importance of that game, which I don't think can be overstated, uh-uh. but but that in a moment. Because yes, it's one loss and be it two or thirty six, it doesn't matter, but it does matter with the advanced metrics. Mm-hmm. Now, the net number is capped at 10. Right. At 10. So if you lose by 10, you lose by 36, it's still the same in that. But remember... Didn't Shelby Mass bring that up yesterday as yes. a flaw in the system? I think he did. But also remember that the net is not just strictly about 
what you're doing here. You hear me talk a lot about offensive and defensive efficiency, the Ken Pomeroy statistic that he uses. That is also something that is used with the net. So, though individually in the game it's capped at 10, your offensive and defensive metrics still are also part of that net system. And because of that, a 36-point loss, and when you give up 1.55 points per possession, which is a ridiculous mark for a game, and it was 1.84 in the first half. I saw that. That they gave up I saw your tweet. You were the one that tweeted it out. I mean, those are numbers you you don't see. You just don't see that in basketball, but that's what Iowa gave up in it. That is cooked in. And you saw it today with the net. The new net rankings came out today. Purdue Iowa, had to have a huge jump. Oh, no, there's no doubt. Now, I hadn't even looked at the Boilermakers. I'll find them in a moment. Yeah, they went from 38th yesterday. They're up to 29th. Okay. Move up yeah. nine spots. Iowa goes from 22nd yesterday to 30th. Taking that a step further, Ken Pomeroy, his numbers. Iowa goes from 13th yesterday in the country mm-hmm. to ranked number 19. But how about this? Defensively, they go into the game yesterday ranked 81st in the country in defensive efficiency. They wake up today 113th. This late in the season, to have that kind of fall in any kind of metric on Game 23 shows you how bad Mm -hmm. that it is. It was bad. It was as bad as it can be. Mm -hmm. I don't think the team quit. I think that they just realized... They got beat. They, exactly. I think they just realized this isn't our day. No. This isn't going to go our way. And they had the lead. They couldn't hold the lead, which was the worst part, Trent. They're up 2 nothing in that game. Finish the job. 17 straight. That was unreal. Back the other way. They had a couple opportunities to at least make it salvageable. Mm-hmm. And seemingly every time I've sung the praises a lot of C.J. Frederick, but boy... He had a bad game. He did not play well. No, he had a bad game. That's as bad as he's looked in a long time. Putting his head down into double teams. He's had, he had open mm-hmm. shots. And I saw somebody mention this. I think it was uh, Mark Titus, the former walk-on, speaking of walk-ons at Ohio State, who had a club trillionaire, one minute, and then zeros across the box <laughs> score. That was a blog he had in college and now writes and uh, talks about college basketball on a national level. He said, if you're shooting over 50% from three, you shouldn't because you should, should be shooting more. And I think that's the same thing with C.J. Frederick. He, he needs to force it, I think, a little bit more. From the outside, he needs to be more aggressive. We've talked about Wieskamp. There are times he needs to be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's easy to just say, flush it. It's one game, move on. But the lingering doubt is still there. Not only what's happened with France teams in well, February. I mean, Trent, it's, I, I can't believe how much fan frayed showed up on Twitter after one game last yeah. night. But it was a bad one. It was a bad game, I get it. You lose but... by eight. If you lose like the Maryland game a mm-hmm. week before... You can chalk it up, but to mm-hmm. lose by that, and because this team has been so bad defensively in the past, and those old things popped up once again, I think that's where I think that's where the freakout factor is coming from from the Hawkeye fan base. Purdue was a step quicker from the jump, Trent. Yeah. They couldn't miss. Boudreaux was out of his mind. And when they did miss, they got offensive rebounds. Right, exactly. They missed their yeah. the nine first missed shots. They got mm-hmm. seven offensive rebounds off mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, including Eastern seemed to find the ball each yes. and every time the ball came off the uh, backboard uh, or the rim. So, look, bad night. Uh, beat Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Go back on the road. Pick off one of them. I, you yeah. know, I, I'd sign for one and one. I would think mm-hmm. the fan base would do the same at this point. It's on the road uh, in the Big Ten. Last time you were on the Big Ten, which was last night, would have been a, a real stinker. So uh, pick, pick one of these next two off on the road and certainly take care of Nebraska because the Nebraska game, as bad as they are, and the, and the game being in Iowa City, this would just see all those numbers you just talked about plummet, right? I, no doubt. And not only that, I mean, a loss notwithstanding, 
this is a game that you need to get right. Really, this offense hasn't looked good in a couple of weeks. And this is still an offensive team, but it's not looked at the same level you know, is that we fatigue, saw the Michigan maybe? Is it starting to I, catch you in a little? I think so. Gars is still getting his, but uh-huh. boy, is he having to grind yeah. to get to those numbers that were seemingly coming so easy for him. You're seeing guys that are playing a ton of minutes. C.J. Frederick's going through this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Connor McCaffrey mm-hmm. is going through this for the and first time. And after making three buckets in his last game, three threes, he was—he didn't make a shot yesterday. Trent missed every single one of them. Another guy that we've sung the praises. If you're a believer in plus minus, he was minus 40 last night when he was on the floor. <laughs> That'll <laughs> skew the old average one. Minus wow. 40. Do you have those numbers in front of you? Uh, let me find them here. Yeah, I'll get them. <laughs> because he can't so be the lone cool. ranger when it comes to this. No, there are a couple of other guys that were in the 30s Where somewhere. was Tucson? He didn't play as many minutes, but... Right. Uh, let's see here. Oh Tucson was minus 12. Frederick minus 18. Minus 40 for Connor. Oh, my. Wieskamp was minus 23. Garza was minus 32. And he scored 26 last night. When he was on the floor, minus 14 for Creener. Let's see. There was uh, two positive marks, though. Riley Till. Nicholas Bear. And Austin Ash. Nicholas Bear's brother. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, Michael I wish Bear. Nicholas Bear was still Michael there. Michael Bear. Both of them plus one when they were in the game. <laughs> That's... Uh, ugly box. Yeah, that that that's again minus forty. Yeah, that's. Have you ever seen that no, in a college that's, game? That's that's, inc- that's impossible to do. Are you sure that's not a misprint? <laughs> this is the official. T- and Garza was from minus thirty two. Minus thirty two when he oh, was on the floor. My. Brutal. All right, so let's you do- flush it. You move on. I think so. And, and not only beat Nebraska, but get off to a good start. Even in the games that they've won, they've trailed. Yeah. Just Fair go point. out, dominate the way that you should against a bad Nebraska team. And the game sold out, right? Aren't the, yes. are the rest of the weekend games yep. sold out at Carver, which is great. Three three remaining games uh-huh. in Carver over the weekend at the very least. So, yeah, they will have that part of it. But this is one, not just get right, get those good feelings, get the offense going. And the good news is these next three opponents, the last five, the last, yeah, last five, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Maryland, Illinois, Purdue, all five of those are good defensive teams. Mm -hmm. These next three, Nebraska, Indiana, Minnesota, all not very good on the defensive end. Get that offense cranked up again because that's been a part of these fan fades in February. It's been the offense really going in the tank, I think, more than anything. Defense is never going to be great. It's never been great yeah, outside of when Woodbury is there. It's been better this year, certainly, but when you go back through the years. Barber said pretty low, I agree. See if you can get the offense going here. I think at the very least you can get to a two and one, get that feeling good, and then you come home and you finish up. You get three out of the last four at home before going on the road to Illinois. Well, look, it's all about the double buy at this point. The, mm-hmm. I think any hopes of uh, ending that long, long streak of without a conference title, I think that's flowing out the window. But sure. uh, if you can find yourself into that uh, t- two, three, or four spot, four more likely, obviously, uh, you'd sign for that today. If not, you're you know you're a five or a six and. Um, and, and you take your chances and hope that you get the right draw. But it's the Big Ten, and there's it's it's there's no easy path, I don't think, into a championship. Right now, a projected four-way tie at Ken Palm for the regular season title in the Big Ten, all at thirteen and seven. And those teams are Maryland, yes. Illinois, yes. Michigan State, and. Penn State because they're on a roll. You got it. The Nittany Lions. Wow. Also checking in at thirteen and seven, then a tie for fifth with Iwin Rutgers at eleven and nine. Hmm. Well, it's it's so much fun to watch this conference, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. But beat the beat the tar out of the Huskers on Saturday, would you please? Happen. Let's do Iowa State and West Virginia. The takeaway from that is 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 uh, to me, anyways, is 
Look, West Virginia was the game was never in doubt at any point in the game, and Huggins was pissed at his squad for the second straight time. I mean, apparently after the game last night, he lit them up. He lit them up, and they beat the Iowa State by fifteen, and the game was never in doubt. Second half was, yeah, it was close. Is that an indictment to Iowa State? Yes, you beat a team by fifteen. Right. You're you're letting the paint fly in the locker room mm-hmm. afterwards. Exactly, is because you only won by fifteen against this team. Right. Look, Chrisier Bolton, Trent. Uh, he's he's the bright spot last night. Mm-hmm. Halliburton was Halliburton. You come to expect that every night. I just wish. I hope before his career ends, which is you know in Kansas City, uh, at the Big Twelve tournament. I want to see him just take over a game. Halliburton? Yes! I want to see that because he's... Not caring about assists in this one. Precisely. Be selfish. Do it for yourself. Get 25 shots in the game. If you have to, you have to do it, right? Maybe that's what this team needs. It can't hurt at this point. No, it can't. Bolton's willing to do that. Bolton's willing to throw up some shots. I like his game. His his game's clearly coming along. And just a sophomore. And just a sophomore. And that's the good news about him. Um, But... Look, they were they were dominating the basketball game last night. And offensive rebound, eighteen offensive rebounds from they, West Virginia. They owned the glass, Trent. As a lot of teams do. Go with the, the glass. Another lineup change. We saw Trey Jackson mm-hmm. get his second start. Solomon, Solomon Young Young's back, back in there in the lineup, starting line. He didn't make a point. He didn't make a point. Missed all eight of his shots that he took. He's better off the bench. There's no consistency out of this front court at all. Uh-uh. Conant went in the starting lineup. He was terrible. Right. Jacobson's having a bad senior year. He's really no is. around it. Solomon Young, when he comes off the bench, is good. When he starts, he's bad. Mm-hmm. And back and forth we like go. Condit, same bow with Condit. Yeah. Predis Nixon, at least a couple shots. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It was just an ugly performance he's, up and down there. This is just not a good team. Trent, they better be K-State this weekend. Oh, man. They better be K-State this weekend. I know we said that about both home games against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And they did. And they beat them, yes. But now you're... You know, you're you're picking off a team like you, and you're doing so on your floor. At least you got to think that they're going to uh, have a spirited game and and win that one. Because man, oh man, this this fan base is teetering. I think um, I'm. I was listening to Cyclone Insider earlier this week with Tommy and Randy, and it, it was surprising just the tone of the conversation and kind of extrapolating what they're hearing from the fan base about firing Steve Prohm. You I mean, you can't. You just extended them. I, I don't think it's there. I don't think it's in the cards. I understand the frustration, but right. this quickly? Well, uh, here's the thing, Trent. If you're looking forward, you know, I, I thought, and I, look, it, it worked out well because I don't know if you get Matt Campbell if you fire Paul Rhodes the year before that they fired sure, him. Sure, yeah. I don't think, I don't think that would have happened. He didn't have enough of a resume probably at that point. Right, and I was, you know, I was very vocal. I was here still at the time in the afternoons. I think it was by myself. Um, you know, putting that out there that it that it's time sooner rather than later get mm-hmm. ahead of yourself you're just prolonging the inevitable and they were but you got Matt Campbell out of it so something good came out of the you know the the extra year that they took but prom when you take a look to, ahead to next year i know a lot of folks are pumped up about this recruiting class but you were last time and then two of the kids never even got here no that's a good point right yeah. i mean i and these, you're asking these kids to come in as freshmen and to you know, to save this program in their first year? I mean, that's asking a ton. And I don't follow recruiting close enough to know if these kids have that ability. But maybe maybe the fan base is right. I don't see it happening. I don't think there's any way in hell no. uh, that Prohm's going to be leaving after this year or be asked to leave after this year. Going to have to tap into the grad transfer market, you would I think? I think that's exactly the route you have to go, Trent. I don't think there's any doubt about it. You have to get those guys um, and get them here ASAP. Even though it's you know for a for a short time, not for a long time, but 
man, oh man, they're they're on pace. And they're not on pace. They're going to do this, and they're going to finish sub five hundred for the second time in the last three years. You do that again next year. Well, and they don't have scholarships really available. They have a couple to play around with. But if you're looking at rebuilding this roster on the fly and open things up in order to do that, they get the Johnson kid from Troy. That'll be eligible next year. But moving on, it'll be what? Yeah, we were excited about a kid that's sitting out in, in, in Prentice Nixon, and yeah, he's yeah. been. He has not been good. He hasn't been. He hasn't been good. I, you're talking about Terrence Lewis. Look, if you're Terrence Lewis and you're well, looking at this. Yeah, exactly. What doesn't it make do? sense? Transfer close to home. Go to UW Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. He's a good offensive player. Yeah. The defense, he's a liability. You say that a lot of guys on Pro And roster. he'd average 18 a game in the horizon. I think he would. I think he would. Now, I don't know what he'd give up on the defensive end, but uh-huh. he'd average a lot of points in that league. Is Condit happy? Jacobson transfers. How about Zion Griffin? Jacobson graduates, rather. Yeah, Griffin's a sophomore. Yeah. Uh, boy, you, you want to keep him. Obviously, Bolton's not going anywhere. Jackson's not going anywhere. Halberton's going to the league. What about Grill? Mm-hmm. This is a kid that was committed to South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. It was a good recruiting crew coup for T.J. Otzelberger to be able to get him in. I was surprised that Prohm kept him on the bench as long as he did. Not that he would have turned the game around, yeah. but in a game like that where you you have no chance, you're getting outplayed, why wouldn't you stick the freshman in to get him a little road experience in a tough place to play? He no? has the worst offensive efficiency in the team under 79 per game. He's shooting 12% from three. I don't know what the quick fix is, Trent. I think you hit it on the uh, on the head. It's it's grad transfers. That's the only route I think you can mm-hmm. go to salvage this thing because on paper, even with the recruiting class, you got one top 100 player, Xavier Foster, and he's more of a developmental piece. Right. He's not a guy that's going to come in right away and average 14 and eight. Although and he blocked four he, shots he a game, it, he pounded a bunch of them through the rim the other night he against did. North. Wade Lookingbill's going to join us tomorrow. He he did the color on that game. Yeah. I want to pick his brain on uh, Bourne and. Uh, um, and obviously Foster going yep. after each other in that game. We'll do some Hawks Nebraska with uh, with Wade as well. But so we'll look forward to that. Just real quick, uh, we we both said yesterday, boy Drake needs this one. Mm-hmm. They were able to win that one in convincing fashion, up ten at halftime. Um, it was a good. Uh, I enjoyed the broadcast. Emmenecker was terrific. What was the uh, the play by play guy's name? Brad Wells. Brad Wells. He's good. Yeah, he. It's uh, a good team. Does a lot of you and I women's games. He does some of the other. Uh, Panther sports games. And he's an see. Iowa guy. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's been in Cedar Falls. I mean, back when I was in college, he was really he was doing the uh-huh. women's games back then. He does the Panther sports talk program. You'll see it on NBC Sports Chicago every once in a while. I do see that. Every That'll now pop and then, up, yep. and he's the one that hosts that. So okay. Brad Wells, yeah. Uh, well, now him and Emmenecker again. Emmenecker's terrific. <laughs> Emmenecker needs to, well, maybe he's happy here. I don't know what his yeah. situation is. Well, he's got, he's got a pretty, a pretty good, good gig, job, doesn't he? Right? Yeah. yeah. I think he does. He's a smart guy. No surprise that he was going to. But Robbins was out of his mind last night. Yes, he was. You know, here's the thing with him. He's seven foot, 235 pounds. Uh-huh. Seven foot. He's getting better every single time I watch him play. Well, here's the scary thing. Remember the young Polish Big man that they had I a couple do. years ago. I do the kid that they went, where did he end up? Old Miss went or to Old Miss, and then yeah. he grad transferred somewhere. I think Not, for his final season, which is either happening right now or have to look it up, or maybe mm-hmm. it was last season. But that's what happens at the mid major, and you have to be careful. Somebody about comes that. and pl- picks you off. Huh? Yeah. Hmm. Huh. might have to be some re-recruiting going on this spring. Well, it wouldn't hurt because you want to keep this kid. No doubt. My thoughts are going with him. I mean, he's getting a Drake education. Yes. Um. What what's his what's his prospects after he's done playing college basketball? He's, he's seven foot. He'll be seven foot two fifty five because he's starting to put some meat on those bones, right? right? Because he retooled his body yes. when he went to prep school. He was he was out of shape. He mm-hmm. was 
over 300 pounds in high school, and people just kind of looked at him, this big lumbering guy. Well, you can see his arms. He's starting to get cut. Yes, getting definition in there. He's a really nice player. Uh-huh. I mean, you talk about, and that's what has to happen at a mid-major. You have to be able to find those kind of success stories, the guys that nobody wanted. Nobody yeah. thought was going to be any good. Sturt's one of those this. guys. Oh. He played another. He had another good game. Can we night. loved him in high school? Yeah, we did. We, we loved that dude. Did. And Drake, it was a, one of those late kind of on the fly. Devries looking for some dudes. Knew he was going to be able to score at this level, and he can. Yeah, he can. Thomas uh, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. He certainly had it in his hand a whole bunch. And the Panthers dominated last night, really, from start to finish yep. against Valpo. Biggest takeaway on that one, five missed him shots. They can lose another game in the regular season and still, I think, feel I think so. confident. Mm-hmm. Still three more road games remaining for them. Home this weekend for Drake, but then after that, the road games. And the Drake game's 3 o'clock, you said? Yes. And that's Fox Sports Midwest as well? Yes, that'll be on Fox Sports Midwest. 5 o'clock, Iowa, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. 7 o'clock, Kansas State, Iowa State. Set up pretty well for the weekend. Roadies left for you and I. At Loyola, the most mm-hmm. difficult. Yep. At Indiana State, the Sycamores are playing really well. Mm-hmm. And have to go to Terry Hope for that yeah, one. Yeah, they're right there with Southern Illinois, aren't they? Yes, and then the finale here in Des Moines against the Doggies. On the 29th of Feb. We'll take a time out. We'll talk sports gambling in the state of Iowa. A couple of properties on the wrong side of profit. And how much did the state bet on the Super Bowl? Can we find out or are we still unable to do that? It's time to pay your bills with iHeartRadio, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Text the keyword JOCK to 200 200 right now it's your chance to win a thousand dollars that's jock to 200 200 brian arilko from the irgc next miller and condon till noon 1460 kxno 106.3 fm you'll get a confirmation text and info standard data and message rates apply ken miller trent condon miller and condon on 1460 kxno and now on 106.3 fm Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. No Claxons here. No. Friday, though, tomorrow. Yes. Let's talk to a Claxons winner. Ah, nice. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's get Brian Arilko in here, Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. He joins the program. We get to do a little 411, catch up with our buddy Brian, who was uh, such a great uh, asset to have last year as we move forward to the passage of sports wagering. We're underway. It's been how many months? September, October, six months? Yes, six yeah. months or so. Brian, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming back on. How are you, Brian Arilko? I'm doing great. It's good to be here, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you, my friend. Well, we're six months into this thing. Um, I guess let's just start. Has it gone smoothly from your perspective, would you say? Yeah, it really has. And um, things uh, have kind of settled in. And um, we're transitioning from the launch phase to more of uh, just compliance. And, and a lot of the operators are 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 you know, getting used to uh, the Iowa customers and it, it was new for mm-hmm. a lot of the casinos uh, in Iowa and so they uh, uh, things are starting to settle in and we're not seeing uh, any uh, major regulatory issues uh, still getting some um, some complaints with regard to technology problems and and I do think uh, as 
we continue to move along and as the market matures, I think uh, it will raise maybe a, a higher level, higher bar um, um, for the operators. And, and so some of that stuff, I think, will just take care of itself. But all in all, uh, very pleased with, with how things have gone to this point. You know, Brian, I, I looked at the numbers from December. I'm assuming January's will be out here any day or maybe they are, and I just couldn't find them. But I saw December's. A couple of the properties actually lost money. The betters got over on the properties in the month of December, Emmitsburg, uh, up to the, in the northern part of the state, and, uh, and Bettendorf. Um, betters over there beat the books. That doesn't happen very often, Brian. No, you are exactly right. And it's something that, um, isn't unique to Iowa. The last few months, uh, the, um, if you look at nationwide numbers, the hold percentage is way down for the casinos, but especially in Iowa, and I think a lot of it as we go and talk to each of the operators, uh, a lot of the, the local NFL teams, whether it's Green Bay, Kansas City, um, the Vikings, all of those teams, I think it really did impact uh, the Iowa markets. And and um, um, we're going to see, uh, I think, you know, another month where hold is is probably around five percent, which is which is is uh, is definitely uh, lower than um, what I think a lot of the books would like. But uh, but the public, um, uh, they are doing well. They've done well in November. They did well in December, and I think uh, January we'll see similar results. Around here, though, uh, Prairie Meadows cleaned up. Once yeah, they're again doing well <laughs> for the month of December. One point <laughs> two million dollars in net receipts for for William Hill out of Prairie Meadows. You know, Brian, uh, it, it's been really fun watching this all unfold. But there's still some parameters to work through. We will be able to open up. You still have to go to the casinos individually until January of next year and open up your account, and you'll be able to do that mobily going forward. How about the daily fantasy angle? That's something that took a little bit longer to get revved up. I've been on DraftKings now, what, about six, seven weeks, I think it was, into the NFL schedule that that was opened up. Really enjoyed it, but what are you hearing about the daily fantasy side of things? You know, we have not received any new applications from any DFS companies, mm-hmm. and so I think where we're at right now, it's the two uh, companies, DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, we, I think uh, just with regard to... Um, how uh, the legislation was written. It was uh, uh, something that was contemplated to be highly regulated. There are a number of requirements, and I think, quite frankly, it's just spooking some of the smaller operators off. And uh, and so I think uh, where we're at right now is, is with those two, and I really don't anticipate any changes, at least in the short term, with regard to that market. Hmm. Brian Orilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission is our guest. Uh, I'm, I'm still kind of, um, well, I hope, I'm hoping I, I'm going to get the answer to this. I don't think I will. Are we still at the point where we can't carve out how much money was wagered on the Super Bowl, Brian? I mean, I'd love to know it. I know right away Nevada comes out with that number. New Jersey comes out with that number. Nevada bet $154 million on the Super Bowl. The hold was 12.1%. They cleaned up. New Jersey actually lost. The state of New Jersey lost. The customers beat the state of New Jersey. Uh, are we we still unable in Iowa to carve out Super Bowl uh, wagering totals. So we do have numbers, and and I like to thank Wes Ericke and and all of his casino members. Uh, the casinos do not have an obligation in Iowa to report uh, event specific um, uh, holds or handles, but. Uh, um, we knew this was going to be popular. We asked uh, the casino industry if they would report out. And so these are unaudited figures. But um, 
Initially, we believe the handle to be about six point five million, which That's puts great. Iowa right about at the middle, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the middle of of all of the uh, the states that have authorized sports wagering. And so, um, the one thing we are hearing, um, um, I, I have not been able to get the revenue numbers uh, yet, um, uh, but we're hearing consistently from all of the operators that there was heavy action on the Chiefs, and so. I, uh, if I were to uh, to guess, um, I would suspect that we'll probably uh, be in a similar situation as New Jersey and Pennsylvania, which saw uh, a loss uh, on this event. And so, um, mm. uh, the the theme I'm hearing is uh, fourth quarter comeback. A lot of those <laughs> props, and the, even the Chiefs exceeded exceeded some of the adjusted lines that were made, uh, wow. taking into that uh, taking that into in consideration. So, so uh, I think though. You know, uh, the casinos will win some and lose some. That's uh, you know that's part of it. And mm-hmm. so the six point five million in handle, um, uh, what I'm hearing is most were pleased and, and pleased with the traffic um, that they had in, in their casinos. That's good. Well, you're making a little news here, Brian. We yes, appreciate that. We we definitely do, Brian. Does that mean when we get to next September, you're going to be able to carve out that Cyhawk game, that total for us, and how much is wagered on our state's biggest game? Yeah, I'd like to do that, and and so we're going to work with the industry and see if if they'd be willing to do that, and and so you know at some point they need to you know they'll have to decide if, you know what, what which events um um you know what is you know what is too much what, what but I I think I think that would be something that obviously there's a right. ton of interest and in, and would be good for for the state. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I don't think it's asking too much. The Super Bowl number and the Cyhawk game, I think those are the two mm-hmm. uh, that we clearly uh, want to see. Uh, is everybody, uh, all of the properties and what, there's 18 of 19, right, Brian, that are offering sports? Yeah, and that's a great a great question. So kind of where, where are we at? So we're 18 of 19 retail casinos are still offering um, uh, we uh, Casino Queen, Marquette, Iowa, they have not launched yet. From the mobile side, which is really where happening. we're seeing yep. most of the traffic, uh, we have five companies that are licensed op- uh, offering uh, mobile wagering. They've partnered with 10 different casinos. We've been working closely with DraftKings, Rush Street, and Betfred. Uh, so DraftKings on their sports wagering mm-hmm. side, not fantasy sports, but those three companies and, and all three are hoping to launch here before, uh, March Madness. Good. And so, um, so if that, if that happens, um, and, and I should say that DraftKings and Rush Street are partnered with, with Wild Rose, which has casinos and some of the, you know, uh, close to some of our major markets, um, with Jefferson and then Clinton uh, that would serve mm-hmm. the Quad City markets. You know, I do think that, we're still not seeing um, numbers uh, that will be reflective of what we'll see next year. Right. And uh, I think the market will mature, and I think it will make a make a big splash when DraftKings comes uh, into the market. And then we're still waiting on FanDuel, um, which is partnered with some of the Diamond Joe facilities. And so those two are major players in other jurisdictions. And I think uh, uh, once come once they come into the market, uh, we may start to see some leveling off. So so help me out with this. And Trent, you're a DraftKings customer. Yes. Um, but would Trent be able to wager on sports on DraftKings, or would he have to go back to a Wild Rose property? 
he'll have to go back. That's there is thought. not a online registration requirement for the DFS. Right. So, so that that would be separate. So Trent would have to go back in um, and and register. It's one time and uh, until January first of next year. Then that all changes, right? That's right. Yeah. So you know now we're less than twelve months uh, right. uh, of that requirement. That's correct. Well, good stuff, Brian Orilco. We appreciate it. Trent's got one more. We'll let you go. Yeah, last kind of housekeeping note here. I had somebody ask this to me on Twitter that lives in Tama and was wondering about Meskwaki. The three Indian casinos in the state, Meskwaki, Blackbird, and I think Winnevegas the third. Uh, of those three, will they have sports wagering? Is that something on the table? Are there other hurdles still to go? What do you know on that side? Yeah, it's complicated. The short answer is I think they, they will. I think they have the right to do that. It's really up to... To them to to uh, to get things implemented. There is a question with regard to how uh, the mobile uh, app would work and and kind of what their boundaries or restrictions are with regard to that. But mm-hmm. but I do anticipate, uh, especially at Meskwaki and Winna, Winna, uh, Vegas, uh, at those two properties that, that seem to uh, be a bit more sophisticated. I, I would expect here in the near near future uh, they would launch sports as well. Brian Arilco, thanks for what you do for us. As always, Brian, good to talk to you, my friend. Yep, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you. Brian Arilco, IRGC, making a little news. $6.5 million. Does the Des Moines Register, M-I-L-L-E-R, and C-O-N-D-O-N. Thank you. Uh, 6.5, that's not bad. And he thinks, thinks, thinks that the state of Iowa will join New Jersey and Pennsylvania as, as having a losing Super Bowl Sunday. Well... It's all right. The properties, well, I told you. No, you're right. Exactly. Nobody feels bad for them. (laughs) Over a million dollars. Right. In net receipts just in the month of December. See, I, I, look, I agree. There's going to be a ton of, a disproportionate amount of Chiefs money because Mm -hmm. of where we live. Right. But when the game went under, I mean, if it was Chiefs and over on those parts, there would have been blood all over the floor. Well, that was what, four, was about four million that huge Jersey lost? Yes. 4.8, I think, million. And and that's where the bulk of it would, and it would have been worse. Would have been way worse if the. So, what do you think the, the reasoning old? behind that is? That Vegas, I think this is now twenty-eight of the last thirty Super they've Bowls. Had, they've lost, or twenty or twenty-nine. Is, I think the last one they lost was Giants Patriots. Maybe could have been. Yeah, but they had a, they had a great weekend. Yes. Our great uh, Super Bowl. They yep, they held twelve point one percent. And here here makes sense because of location, but yeah. it doesn't make sense out there. No. Just more sophisticated betters than there is maybe, in Nevada? Maybe, And the other thing is, too, well, Nevada's going to get killed now that there's sports wagering all over the place. The record handle on the Super Bowl in Nevada is $158 million. This year, Vegas just did just below $155 million. Yes. So, they didn't set a record? Now, when California legalizes it? Oh, that could hurt. That because there's a lot of people coming over the border to bet on the, on the uh, Niners. No doubt. A ton of Niner money. And you've seen those people coming in from L.A. Mm-hmm. all weekend long yep. that are making their way there. Yeah, That'll just, dry up. You get over the Nevada-California border. Now, here's the thing, though, with California. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's going to be a while. It's right. going to be a while because the tribes, the Indian tribes, have so much power in that state. So much power. All right, time out. Good segment. Enjoyed that. Hope you did as well. Miller and Condon. Going to talk some twins and what's holding up that blockbuster trade. Is it going to happen from a twins perspective? Nick Nelson joins the program next. We take you until noon in the 11 o'clock hour. We're going to talk to Tom Kakert on the Hawks. Matt Poston's on the Big 12. It's 1460 KXNO and 106...
Look at you bobbing your head over there. Oaktown in the house. You're too old Look for that. Thank you. Huh? That was impressive. That's a pretty good pull for a 61-year-old man. I like it. Nick Nelson, Twins Daily, joins the program. A blockbuster trade. The Twins were a part of it. The third team, or are they going to be? Kendra Maeda was destined for that three spot in the starting rotation. Nick Trent and Ken, you know, let's start there. When the news broke that uh, that this blockbuster trade was going to go down and the Twins were on the precipice of giving up a fireballer uh, who Trent, I mean, Trent was kind of in tears here today, yeah, or yesterday, rather. Um, overall, what was the consensus? They know that the window's open. you got to give up a lot to get, uh, you know, to, to fill that uh, gap in the rotation. What was the consensus as far as the trade? Giving up too much? I think there was definitely uh, some, some pain around it, right? Uh, you know, we had an opportunity to see Gratterall come up and pitch in the majors uh, late last year, and he looked really good at age 20, throwing uh, at, a, at a velocity that, uh, that few of us have ever seen before. So that, that's a really rare talent. Um, but at the same time, you know, a lot of Twins fans have been saying all along that it, you got to go in and make that move, and, and prospects are never guaranteed. We've seen plenty of them that were so promising and never panned out as they hoped. So. I think there was a general acceptance when you see that uh, Meta is a, is a guy that's going to be around for four years at, at a good rate and, and has very good numbers. Um, you know, proven guy who's pitched in the playoffs and, and pitched for a four-time division-winning team. So um, I think generally there was a, there was a positive vibe about it, especially with the acknowledgement that uh, it does seem that Gratterall was was headed down the path of being a reliever, which which is what makes this new twist so strange. Really, is uh, an upside kind of guy. You don't see many people that go through here yet. Going back, the caravan was going on, making its way through the Dakotas and hmm. upper Minnesota down here to Iowa. And there were some conversations that, at least in the short term, the Twins certainly didn't see him being a guy that can stick in the rotation just because of those injury concerns that are there. That's something that I think still lingers out there, and the Red Sox may be finding that out too after looking at his physicals. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a perplexing thing to me, right? Uh, it's not it's not a secret that the Twins were planning around Gratterall as a reliever this year. It's, it's not a secret that he came up in that capacity last year, or that he's uh, you know missed some time in the minors with uh, some significant injuries in his history, and including last year when he missed a couple months with a shoulder impingement. None of this is news. So, um, to the extent that the whatever physicals or exams that the Red Sox saw would have completely changed their opinion. Uh, it's very odd. It's, it's not something that you really ever see, um, especially because, you know, this is not uh, – obviously the Red Sox have had some issues lately, but they they got rid of their GM. They brought in this bright uh, bloom guy from Tampa Bay. This is not a bumbling front office here. This is, uh, this is one of the one of the premier front offices in the league. So uh, something very odd, very strange going on here. Indeed, Nick Nelson, Twins Daily. You know, the uh, Josh uh, Josh Donaldson acquisition of I-Free Agency, I still think he's got something left in the tank. His teammates, whatever, whether he was in Toronto or last year in Atlanta, he's a fiery guy. But you know what? The, the, the team seemed to feed off of him. I don't know if this team needed that leader uh, in the clubhouse, but I don't think it's going to take too long before uh, some of these young guys are looking up at Josh Donaldson for that leadership. Yeah, I completely agree. Someone posted a, uh, a clip on Twitter the other day that was a little bit of a throwback to, uh, it was all the way back in 2002 that Torrey Hunter got hit with a pitch and he got so mad that he picked it up and threw it back at the pitcher, right? And, you know, you, you can obviously, opinions will vary on whether that was a good sportsmanship or the right thing to do, but I think it exhibits a level of edge and fieriness and competitiveness that 
that is necessary. I think Hunter was a key part of those teams, and, and having a veteran player who has that kind of edginess to them really adds an element that uh, a young team like this with maybe uh, some players that are more like more laid back, you know, mm-hmm. the Keplers and Polancos of the world. Um, you know, it sort of contributes and fills that, that part that might be missing. Obviously, the Yankees and the Astros have those elements where uh, especially the Astros will do whatever it takes to win, right? They, they have that edge. So I had a, uh, well, I was starting to get a crush on Gratterall. That one looks to be in the past, but I've had a long-time crush on Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton. We saw Sano after finally getting healthy after that freak accident last year during winter ball on a stage <laughs> ripping up his Achilles tendon. He came back, fixed the swing, and he was dominant over the last two and a, two, two and a half months of the season. Byron Buxton, on the other hand, another injury for him. Where are we at with both these cornerstone pieces for the Twins and with the healthy season? It still feels like there's so much upside in both these guys. Yeah. Uh, so, no, uh, he was healthy enough. I mean, it was really a freak incident that took place early in the season and cost him to miss the first uh, six weeks, but he was healthy enough and productive enough uh, over the rest of the course of the season that I think you've got to be feeling pretty good about him right now. It seems like he kind of has turned the corner and, and 34 home runs in 100 games or whatever he played is, is pretty incredible. Um, you know, Buxton, on the other hand, is almost feels like what they get from him at this point is going to be a bonus. It's really hard to, to trust at this point that he's going to be able to stay on the field. It's just every, every time after for a few weeks, it seems like something else crops up. And now it's be trying to return from a, uh, you know, a shoulder surgery on his labrum. I mean, that, that's a major operation that can have a lingering long-term effects. Uh, I don't think it's a guarantee that he's going to be a hundred percent here when, when he comes to spring training. So, uh, you know, the twins are very lucky to have a guy in, in Kepler who's able to slide over to center field and play it well. And a lot of outfield depth where, you know, if is not available uh, early in the season or misses large patches of the season again, I, I still think they'll be in decent shape. But if, if they can just get that season where he's healthy and able to stay on the field and do what he was doing last year when he was playing, uh, that's such a huge difference maker. It's, it's a complete game changer. Hmm. I want to talk about the division overall uh, with you here, Nick, in our final couple of minutes. Nick Nelson, TwinsDaily.com. Saw the White Sox go out and, you know, get a Keichel and a Grandal and uh, Edward Encarnacion, I think still got something left as the DH there. Obviously, Giolito at the uh, at the front of that rotation. Abreu, they signed him again. Tim Anderson not going anywhere. Um, I don't know uh, where Cleveland fits in the equation. We're just so used to seeing them at the, as the team to beat in the division. I don't think they no longer are any longer are Detroit made some moves I don't think enough and Kansas City seemingly is still in rebuild uh, are the White Sox the team that the Twins will have to outfinish in your mind if they want to repeat as the division winner in my mind yes I think the White Sox has clearly emerged as the bigger threat than Cleveland I mean especially with Cleveland trading away Kluber for very little it seems like uh, and not really making signings or aggressive moves that suggest that they are really all that interested in making a hard push to take back the division. Uh, the White Sox have had a very good offseason. You know, I, it's often said, and it's very true, that uh, no games are won in, over the winter in December and in January, but uh, they've made some good moves to supplement some weaknesses, which I think is exactly what you as a fan of that team would like to see. And the bigger fact is that core that's already in place. It's not too dissimilar to the Twins, where they just have these young major talents coming up and starting to find their footing in the majors, you know, whether it's Moncada or Eloy Jimenez uh, or Giolito, who you mentioned. And they've got a couple uh, really top prospects in the game that are 
that are almost major league ready and ready to make an impact now. So I, I think the White Sox are a significant threat, and it's, uh, it's not a good idea to just overlook them because they won 72 games last year. Final thing for you, uh, the numbers are out at some of the properties in terms of the win total this year, the Minnesota Twins. I saw it at points bet at 90.5. Boy, Jump Nick, all over that. Yeah, we, we have talked many times throughout the years. You know, I'm not the most optimistic of Twins fans, but at 90.5, I'm looking to uh, certainly empty out the bankroll on that one if that's the actual total we see for the uh, win totals here. I would agree. I, I think uh, the quality of the Twins roster in general right now, I mean, especially if this Meta deal goes through and they add another quality starter to that mix, uh, is it's, it's a very good team. It's one of the best teams in the league uh, across all phases, except maybe defense. And, uh, I mean, if you get Buxton out there, I do think they have an above-average defense. And uh, and the, the deep and the division, you know, I mean, they're, they're once again going to get a lot of wins against Detroit and Kansas City and be able to beat a little bit off that soft underbelly of the division. So, yeah, 90 wins really seems like the floor unless a lot of stuff goes wrong because you know, they have the depth to really deal with even a few major injuries at this point. It's a very well-built roster with uh, some, some high-quality uh, minor league pipeline that's ready to deliver, deliver as well. Good stuff. Thank you, Nick. Uh, we'll uh, talk to you a bunch during the uh, regular season. going to be a fun summer up in the Twin Cities. Nick Nelson, TwinsDaily.com. Talk to you, Nick. Sounds good. Take care, Jen. Good to talk to you. Nick Nelson joining us as uh, we do a little hot stove. Not hot stove, it's spring training. Pitchers and catchers a week from today. How about that? Is it a week from a today? A week from today. Love it. Indeed. It's getting here quick. Uh, Tom Kanko will get here in 15 minutes. Matt Poston's on the Big 12 in about 35 minutes. Miller and Condon until noon. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.